in your own head and try to make it a pleasant place to be. Like you were saying, there are some people who, for them, it's just getting through this door and being here. I feel like you, even my friend said this to me, you should be your biggest supporter and your number one fan. Welcome back to the Motives Life podcast. We're kicking off season two with what we're anticipating to be one of the best ever. Uh, Co-host Rob, he made the cut. He got welcome back for season two. Made it for season two. Yep. I'm Uh, excited. He was voted back onto the island, so we're very excited to have him back. And we're joined by none other than Cassidy Vaccaro. We're we're ready to hear her story today and just get a sense of, of the adversity she's been through in the past year, but also meet her and understand where where she was prior to the accident that you'll hear about and also where she's headed in the future with everything else going on. So Cass, welcome. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Glad to make it back with Rob. Thanks for voting me back in. That was probably my one vote. Yeah. Well, that tipped the scale. It's a big vote. Yep. Big vote here. So so, uh, Cass, just as we've done in the past uh, with our podcast, usually, you know, we we typically start with just very basic information, who you are, family, where you grew up, and just kind of roll it from there. Okay. So my name is Cassidy Vaccaro. I am from Marlborough, New Jersey. I have two older brothers that are 35 and almost 28. And I have been coming here now officially for over two years which was in like December or January. January. All because of someone sitting in this room and his wife. They can't see me, but I'm over here. (laughs) (laughs) Who told me one day that I should start coming here. And I was coming six days a week. And I'm back to coming here six days a week again. (laughs) Nice. Great. How old are you? I am 22 going to be 23 in May. There you go. Just like a young, like, doesn't even know. (laughs) The way she said 35 (laughs) kind of gave you an idea. Yeah, I mean. She was like 35. I I crumbled with every, I was like, I'm only two years away. Yeah, it's three. Three, I'm three years away. No, he makes 35 look great. Wow. (laughs) He hasn't even gotten there yet. (laughs) So, like Mike said, we always we always do a little family dynamic, like who you are. So let's let's build the story of where you where you started, right? So you can talk about school, you can talk about anything that that would give the listeners an idea of just who you are up to April fourth, twenty twenty one. So I would say I've actually always been in fitness when I was in. High school, I worked at a gym from the time that I was 16 and could legally work to the time I was leaving for college. And I was going to the gym seven days a week. And I was in college when I started coming to Motives. And I was a biology major with the plan on going on to medical school and becoming a doctor. So, of course, fitness is really important, especially going into the medical field. I need to be in shape for people to take me seriously. How about in terms of sports growing up, Cass? I know you said you have always been into fitness and whatnot. Like, what are, 
Like is, is fitness something you found on your own as you got into high school and matured into college? Or is it something that was part of family, like uh, something your family valued? Were you into sports? Um, how did you come to find fitness before motives? I'd say my brothers were huge into basketball. And so, of course, when the time came, what else was I going to do other than play basketball? So that was really my whole life for a long time. And I got to high school and I went to St. John Vianney in Homedale. And those girls were playing to go to college to play basketball. And I knew that that wasn't the path for me. And it evenly lined up with me not playing basketball anymore and me starting work and going to the gym. So I was always able to keep fitness as a big part of my life in some way, shape, or form. Awesome. So a day in, a day in everyday life, what would that look like for you pre-Easter Sunday 2021? So I was working at Jersey Shore as medical center yes as an emergency department scribe I was actually still taking a lab that some medical schools required I was coming here regular everyday life yep going out to eat on the weekends (laughs) yes beach during the summer (laughs) and then April and then Easter Sunday, April 4th, I was going from my aunt's house to Rob's. To our house. (laughs) Yep. And Jeremiah was driving, who's Rob's brother. Yep. And we were, what, eight minutes away? About that, yeah. And we, I personally don't remember any of the accident, but we collided front passenger side to front passenger side and I was the passenger and I was stuck in the car with a compound fracture in my femur with my with a femoral artery dissection and as if that wasn't enough for these people to freak out over I had so many other cuts on my body from the windshield and God knows what else. And I had 15 other fractures. And their biggest thing, of course, was just getting me out of the car. And one of the craziest things I say from the beginning is that we were down the street from a fire department. Right. And they sent a fire department from the other side of Freehold who has someone who's in charge of cars like the one that we were in, taking them from the pound and putting them in different positions, trying to figure out how to get people out of the car when the car is in different positions. They knew exactly what they were doing. So let me just interject a little something (laughs) since I have a piece of the story here. That night, everybody had left my house. We host Easter. Uh, My brother and Cassidy, my brother Jeremiah and Cassidy were doing their own thing at her family's house. And my brother calls me up. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, yeah, there's a ton of desserts left over. Like, you guys come by. My other brother and his wife were going to come by. Um, so my whole family gets there. He's like, yeah, I'm 10 minutes away. So we're like, okay, no problem. Phone rings. I get a phone call, like, same, like five minutes later. And it's my brother, Jeremiah. I'm like, oh, what's up? 
I answer the phone, sheer panic. Probably a panic I'll never forget, honestly. Like, almost makes me cry. And he was like, I just screaming that he needed help. And I just remember, like, my heart sank. Like, like where are you? What are, and, he, and he said, I'm right down the road, blah, blah, blah. So we all jumped in my truck, me and my wife, my brothers, my dad, my mom. They jumped in their truck. We fly down there. We're like, you know, don't know what to expect. I mean, who knows? All right, he got into an accident. How bad could it be? And it was actually the worst we could have ever expected. He had a small Audi that he had lowered on lowering springs, and he had collided with a Dodge Ram 2500 with a utility body trailer, which the trailer alone was probably a, a thousand or more pounds empty. And the truck was flipped over. My brother's car was turned. We couldn't figure out what the heck was going on. He was hopping around in the middle of the road, obviously frantic. And we were just like, I mean, you pull up to the scene and you're just like, you're trying to diagnose like, like what the heck do I do? Like, where do, where do I start kind of deal? And that's where... I guess, you know, all the training kind of kicks in, like your CPR and your first aid and all the basic stuff that I think everybody should have as a basic uh, safety, you know, whatever, uh, public service announcement. But, you know, you, you get there and you're like, oh, my God, okay, like call 911. Let's get this thing. Let's get the ball rolling. And thank God there was a guy that actually, he said he, he came around the bend and he heard a crunch. He didn't see it happen, but he was right there. And um, ironically, I'm going to say ironically, but it's not ironic. It's miraculously is the right word for it miraculously the guy that was the first one on the scene actually got into an accident when he was in i think he's in high school or college i can't remember and his girlfriend passed away and he knew exact he's like i turned the corner and i literally knew exactly what to do because i was in that exact situation and he happens to work for audi that's probably an ironic Wow. So anyway, yeah, crazy. So he said, I before I even got to hit the brakes, I was on 911 getting the ball rolling. So to Cassidy's point, that was, you know, seconds matter in a, in a crazy situation like that. So we're there. You know, the guy had told us that my brother, he came around the bend and there was a bunch of smoke and my brother's lying in the middle of the road. And it's like a 50 mile per hour, like busy road. People probably do 65. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said he like freaked out, thought a kid got hit by a car. And then when he went to go grab him, my brother jumped up and was like, what happened? And started running around. And uh, the guy was like, oh, my God, calm down. And then he said the smoke was clear and he could see there was a car. And the truck was actually flipped over, the Dodge Ram, with the trailer. Actually ran my brother's car over and, and flipped on its roof. So we pull up to that scene, my, me and my wife, my brothers, my, my mom and dad. And uh, my youngest brother is actually also in the medical field. So he like snapped into action, ripped his gloves out, medical kit, like starts doing what he can do. Cassidy's limp in the car, honestly thought she was dead. Like that picture again is in my mind too, which is insane. We have some pictures you guys posted on, on the Instagram channel if any of you guys want to get a visual of what the car looked like, just literally unbelievably crushed, like couldn't get any more crushed. And from the, from the time we got there, I'm going to say within not even two minutes, the fire department pulled up and got to work. And it was truly an amazing sight to see, to Cassidy's point, um, to compliment the Freehold Fire Department um, because they were, like, on the money. Like, didn't waste a step, didn't, didn't waste a move. And uh, I, I just another, I, I'll, I'll hand it back to you, but another thing was, you know, I, I was obviously seeing the car crushed and I was trying to assess for myself, like, is she really dead? Is she crushed? Is she, like, what happened? And looking in the car, I couldn't see her legs. 
And as they're moving and breaking stuff open, I, we were like, I mean, five feet away. As they're literally using the jaws of life to rip the car open, I could see her one bone in her leg was sticking out. And there was, I'm talking blood, just like I've never seen before. Like, I don't watch horror movies, thank God, but it was literally a horror scene. And uh, I remember then she like kind of, kind of had this twitch and I was like, okay, something's moving. Some, something's functioning and firing. Like, and uh, then, you know, we back away to let everybody do their thing. So back to your, you know, to hand it back to Cassie, not to take over here. You know, you, how many bones did, did you break? I fractured 16 bones and I had three ligament strains in my neck. Broke both. Femurs. Both femurs, which is the biggest bone in your body, in case anybody didn't know that. And an artery situation. Yeah. And an artery situation and a brain situation. Was it femoral artery? Mm-hmm. Which is deadly. You could bleed out in yeah. minutes. And so, again, using your word miraculous, the average person has 10 and a half pints of blood in their body. I got nine. And so, like you were saying, there was just an obscene amount of blood everywhere. My mom even said when they got my clothes back, all she did was stick her hand in the bag, and that was all she could feel. They were still soaked. And I had leggings, long leggings on. I had a quarter zip on, a shirt on. Everything was just destroyed. Yeah, and and so now we're talking... Everybody's working. We're talking with um, the guy, the first guy that was on the scene, and he actually worked for Audi for a long time. And he was like, "It's a miracle the airbags went off because there's a recall on that particular model car, and their airbags aren't going off. And it's been an ongoing recall that they can't seem to figure out why every single airbag went off, every single one. Hmm. Miraculous. I'll probably say it a million times, but literally miraculous is is the bottom line. So fast forward. Now, obviously, we have to make a terrible phone call to her mom, who happens to live in Arizona, and say, hey, Cassie got into an accident. She's like, okay, it's all right. You know, how is she? Well, she's getting medevaced. So I think you should make your way down, which was a, I mean, heart-stopping, obviously, for a mom that's miles away to think her daughter's about to die, which she probably didn't know how how close she really was to death. Mm. And another thing, you know, originally, you know, you see an accident like that and people are trying to get people out of the car. The car's smoking. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on. The way the door crushed, there was nothing you can do to open that door to get her out. And the way the other side, the driver's side had crushed, there was no way you can pull her out of that side, which was actually a, a saving grace because if we would have moved her any which way, she would have bled out. Mm. It would have been game over because on her femur, she had she had broken her femur. It compounded, punctured the skin, and any movement... They were like, any movement, she would have lost her leg and probably her life from bleeding out. Mm. So really crazy how all this stuff kind of kind of happened and came together. So, yeah. Even on top of that, when they were trying to get me out of the car, I got to meet the Freehold Fire Department in October. And I met the kid who sat in the driver's seat and held me in place yeah. when they were using the jaws of life and everything. And he said that he could feel the C2 fracture in my neck. So on top of that, you know, there was, I had bones sticking out. 
if you cut my artery anymore, if you moved my neck, yeah. even an inch, there was just so much where I just needed to stay there and wait. And as sad as I'm sure it was that there was nobody who could get me out, right. that was exactly how it had to go. Yeah. Uh. So we're talking broken legs, uh, femurs in both legs, your right leg, mm-hmm. uh, multiple breaks from the knee down, right? Six different mm-hmm. places. Um, broken hand. I mean, multiple bones in her hand broken. Neck fractured. Mm-hmm. What was it? Lung? Oh, Lacerated? Yeah. I had a pleural effusion in my left lung. Which is? <laughs> for the people listening. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, it's when you develop fluid in your lung. So I had fluid in my left lung. In my right lung, I had a pneumothorax, which was an airspace outside of my lung, in between my lung and my heart. And I have a pelvic kidney on my right side because when you're developing in the womb, both of your kidneys actually start in your front lower abdomen and move back. My right kidney never moved back. And it was just perfectly in line with the seatbelt. And I actually almost cut that kidney in half. So it was lacerated kidney. <laughs> yes. Right. And then a brain trauma. Yes. I had a traumatic brain injury, a diffuse axonal brain injury, and a subdural hematoma. And before I looked up what a diffuse axonal brain injury was... Having a subdural hematoma, I've had patients at work die from that in the ER. And I was like, oh, great. I have that. Interesting. Right. And then when I looked up what a diffuse axonal injury was, being in a coma, I had a 10% chance of waking up. I was like, okay, that's way worse. Let's explain (laughs) both in layman's terms for everybody to understand. So it's not that you hit your head. It was from extreme force Mm -hmm. of your brain actually moving and hitting your skull. Mm-hmm. There was so much impact. Her head actually didn't hit anything particular. It was the brain moving inside her head, hitting her skull, causing mm. ma- massive, you know, trauma. Mm-hmm. Wow. So now that you've the scene's been painted, <laughs> now that you you kind of see what's going on, my brother walked away with a broken ankle and a couple like of like um, sprains and fractures on his ankle, um, but pretty much. Okay, besides the mental side of it, which is obviously a, a recovering thing still to this day. Now, obviously, you're medevac back to the hospital. Multiple surgeries with multiple surgeons. The hospital you work at, right? The hospital yes. she works at. How amazing is that? So the second everybody heard, hey, it's Cassidy, our scribe, everybody came back, mm. which is an awesome camaraderie story there. Yes. The doctors, the nurses, everybody said, oh. That's, it's Cassidy getting flown in. We got to come back, which is... Wow. Yeah. That gave me a chill. For sure. So if you want to describe a little bit of that. So then actually... How long you were in a coma. To add on to that, I reached out to the head of the ER that I worked in about two weeks ago. And I just said, hey, I would love to be able to come in and just thank these people Like I was unconscious for nine days and there were two of them who were competing for who was going to visit me more. Right. You know, it's not like I was sitting there looking for company 
and people to talk to because I was alone in my room because of COVID. Right. I wasn't even awake. And I knew how much of an impact that job had on me in the almost two years that I was there. And I feel like that really showed me how much my presence meant to them that I was at Jersey Shore for 16 days and they were coming and checking on me all the time. And I thought when I was going there on Thursday, I was just seeing them and thanking them. And I got to see the whole ICU team that was in there on April 4th and meet the nurses that took care of me, meet the trauma doctor that got assigned to me, everybody, and just say thank you. Because again, just like the fire department, once they drop you off, at the hospital. They don't know what happens to you. Mm -hmm. Those ICU nurses had no idea what happened to me after I got transferred out of that building. Right. And so it was, it really is just so nice to show everyone that you are doing this for a reason. And that happened for a reason. Right. I agree. And Mm -hmm. even down to the person that the nice people that, that where you crashed in front of their house, I don't remember what their names were. Maybe we'll keep it off here, but they were both obviously concerned also saying like, we just remember two young kids got into an accident and the girl got medevaced away. We never knew what happened. So her and my brother went back, brought him a little gift and was just like, hey, like, this is us. We, we were the ones that were in that accident in front of your house. Thank you for like making that second call to 911. Thank you for, you know, being concerned and staying out all night and you know, my whole family was out there and even all the firefighters, they stayed the whole time. Those people were up the whole time, like offering water, a bathroom, if you got to come into the house. And this is during COVID times. So you know how some people were with that. And that was really, I, I couldn't stress like, you know, mm. enough. It was amazing to me to see how, how many people got involved and worked their absolute hardest to save one life. The mm. value of one human life was truly amazing. Truly amazing. Yeah, and, and I guess just to uh, hang out here for a second, when you bring up COVID, it makes me think as well. I feel as if at that time we were still somewhat absent of that value of like human interaction and, right. and whatnot because we were, we were all secluded from each other for so long, you know. So it's in that, I could just imagine being in that moment as well, Rob, and being you and just feeling like the power of, wow, like it doesn't, COVID doesn't, like it doesn't matter. Right. At the end of the day, a human's life is a human's life. Like right. whether they're dying of COVID in the hospital and we're trying to save them or it's this situation or whatever, like nothing, no, no pandemic or anything can ever break that, the power of hu- like a human trying to save a human. Right. There's nothing that can do that. It was truly an amazing thing to see firsthand and be that close and, and, and witness that. And then that's another testament to the nurses and doctors that above and beyond all the stuff they were having to deal with and work with were really knowing the insides and outs of the rules of the hospital, skirting and helping us get in there or doing whatever they could do to be like, hey, if you come at this time and I'm on shift, I want you to see her for five minutes longer than you're supposed to or, you know, or them even coming down and saying, you know, nobody was allowed from this time to this time, so we stayed with her. Just that one-on-one, even though she was nine days in a coma, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, just amazing, amazing story, amazing uh, how everybody came together Knowing her or not knowing her, people came together down to the security guard downstairs who let me in wow. when he shouldn't have. <laughs> so, so you're in the ICU for 16 days? They 
transferred me out after I woke up just to be able to transfer me to children specialized eventually. Mm -hmm. Where is that? It was in New Brunswick by Rutgers. Oh, so by Robert at Robert Wood. Yep. Yep. So here's another miraculous thing. <laughs> Besides having two teams of of really awesome doctors being able to work on both her legs at the same time, which is crazy if you think about it. Two teams of four doctors each, right? Surgeons mm -hmm. working on both broken femurs, mm. which was like time is of the essence, and they absolutely did an amazing job. Um, the surgeon actually said, "Is his name?" Polinette, mm -hmm. he said, which is crazy because Polinette did some surgery on Jen's dad, my mm -hmm. wife's dad, but he said if it wasn't for all her muscle and how in shape she was, her percentage would have been negative for, for chance of survival. He says, as it was, you were like super limited bodily injury wise. The next brains they didn't know about at this point and the, the brain trauma, they were still unsure because she was unconscious, but the body damage they said would have been a, would have been enough to take somebody out if they weren't physically fit enough. Mm. And he said she had so much muscle mass on her legs and in her core that it it truly saved her. It truly it truly did. Which I still believe in the miraculous, but that's also something that obviously you do everything you can do to mm -hmm. you know promote healthy living and and how you know what you guys are doing here at Motives. So I just wanted to throw that in there because the surgeon literally said like we had so much to to take from her leg. To, to do what we had to do. It was amazing. We had to fight through so much muscle. Mm -hmm. So truly unbelievable. Wow. I will say, adding on to that. Go for it. <laughs> Dr. Polnett in and of himself was a miracle because he does not work on Sundays. And anytime anybody asked him why he was there, he can't say to this day what he was doing at work that day to be my orthopedic surgeon. He wasn't supposed to be. Right. Which is just <laughs> crazy to me because I feel like had I had someone else and I had a tourniquet wrapped around that leg and so much stuff going on, I feel like they would have seen all of that and been so overwhelmed by it and just said, nothing we could do. Hmm. Even imagine the timing if he's not there, like, okay, let's do this, bring her in the room. If he has to get called in from home, if he lives... 20, 30 minutes away, that's all precious moments that, right. that you lose time. So so the, that surgery process was instant. Like you got you got to the hospital and they were surgery right away. Yeah, to, for to the stop legs. the bleeding for the legs. Right? I see, I see. Wow. And then the hand and your... My left arm. Left arm. My ulna radius. Was, mm -hmm. a, was after that. Yes. Right. <laughs> wow. And so, and so you get transferred to children's specialty hospital right mm -hmm. at, at Robert Wood Johnson and then miracle number 75 because <laughs> let me just tell you why because she was 21 at the time right mm -hmm. still considered a child so now you're allowed during quote-unquote COVID times to have one of your your parent or guardian there with you if she was 22 she'd be in a regular hospital zero communication nobody in nobody out she's locked period mm -hmm. so now in the children's hospital her mom could be there to oversee and to stay with her the entire time. How awesome is that? Wow. Yeah. Truly amazing. Yeah, and 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 for someone that had a brain injury, like, Ex you, you know need that. I mean? You know what I mean? Exactly yeah. right. Yes, because... Who's going to care for you more than your mother? Right. Yes. <laughs> because one day on May 7th, I just woke up one day 
And I feel like my brain was like, all right, we're going to get back into business. Was that now. the first time you woke up since April no. 16th? And shout out to her mom, Linda Vaccaro, <laughs> who we text all the time. We, we level on SpongeBob and some other deep stuff, but really awesome lady. Got to know her really deeply through this whole situation, obviously. But shout out to her from all the hard work she did. Um, she was putting those nurses to shame. I'm she telling was. you right now. She was cracking whips where she had to and really doing some ridiculous work all with a smile. Mm. That actually blew my mind that she would come out and be like, don't worry, it's going to be all right. And I'd be there like trying to hold it together like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be all right. And I'm thinking in my head like, this is your, this is her mother. Like mm. she should be like wanting to murder anybody in her path. Right. Whole time had an amazing uplifting attitude of it's going to work out. Unreal. So sorry, go ahead. No, you are fine. So I woke up from my coma on April 13th. And I don't remember anything from April 13th to May 7th. I shouldn't say that. I remember like little things, but not anything crazy. And on May 7th, I just woke up and looked around and was like, where in the world am I? And I saw my mom sleeping and I remember sitting there waiting for her to wake up to just say, am I sick? So I don't remember the accident. I don't remember anything happening to me. I just assumed I had to be sick. And that's had to be why I was in the hospital. I couldn't have broken anything. And I will say another miracle is this whole time, even though I had no idea what was going on with me, I never tried to get out of bed. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So some of the process I'll, I'll piece in, the parts that she doesn't remember um, was them trying to obviously wake her out of a coma multiple times. And that was a pretty like somber experience of them telling the mom, like, we've tried. We, we tried and she's not waking up. We don't, we're, we're going to hold hope is what they kept saying. And, and we're going to push through and we're going to try again tomorrow. And we're going to try again in two days and we're going to try. So you can imagine those nine days, nine days, right? Nine mm -hmm. days. Were a, it was a long nine days. I mean, I had my phone on loud 24 7 for that text to be like, she woke up. You know what I mean? Like, you're, everybody was waiting, everybody was praying, everybody was, you know, doing the best they can do to just well wishes and hope for the best. And it was a, it, that was a tough time. Nine days is a long time to, to consistently be, you know, did she wake up? Did she wake up? Did she wake up? No, 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 no. Right. And then, uh, truly miraculous. I don't know if people believe in the supernatural or not, and I could care less. But, you know, it was so crazy. Obviously, we had churches praying and all these other things going on. And this one guy we had reached out to, and he prayed. And, like, I, I remember, like, you know, agreeing with him in prayer. And I literally had this, like, I don't know what to call it, I guess a vision. I wasn't sleeping. And I literally had a, a, this image in my mind of Cassidy literally opening her eyes. It was the craziest thing. And maybe, maybe because in, like, weird times or, like, like hard times, you're more open to that. You know what I mean? And like more open or open to your spiritual side, who knows? But I remember that clear as day, she had makeup on, her face didn't look like, I mean, her face in the hospital was, was puffy. It still had blood on it. They shaved the side of her head and had to cut her skull to relieve some of the, the pressure that was building in her, in her head, which was insane. But I remember seeing all that gone and like she opened her eyes and I remember being like, okay. And I told my wife like, I know that she's going to open her eyes. And the next day, she opened her eyes and she came out of a coma, which was an amazing thing. Mm. 
Um, so in that meantime, now she comes to this, you know, start of recovery, if you will, because now that's when they found out she had the, the fractured discs in her neck. And that's when they were really trying to zone in on like what type of brain injury she had because they weren't quite sure because she wasn't talking, she wasn't anything. So she went through this slow process of remembering things, which is so crazy. Like, you know, you know how we always use the, um, the expression, oh, I have to jog my memory. It's literally that. That's what was happening. It was like this hard reset, this hard reboot of her memory. And as it began to come back, she remembered like Disney movies. And that was it. And she was talking and writing like if she was five years old, drawing pictures of a butterfly, drawing, I love my mommy, like just certain things where you're like, she's five years old. This is so crazy. And you can show her a medical school, a medical school student, you'd show her a picture, has no idea what it is. You show her a Disney movie. She knew all the characters. Wow. It was insane to watch the amazing human body and brain and then, you know, progress to more and more and more. And then we hit this level where it was like kind of jumping. She would go from an immature state of five, six, seven years old to like back to herself for a moment and then back and then back to herself for a moment and then back to that immature state. And one of the things that she consistently brought up, and I'm not saying this because it's the podcast, you could ask her mom, ask Jen, ask anybody that was there. She would literally say, when am I going back to CrossFit? And I'm like, you know, obviously you can't tell her. We'd be like, you know what? Maybe tomorrow, you know, how about that? You know, you get, let's get this going. Let's, let's get you walking and, and we're going to get back. And she would keep bringing up, I just want to get back to the gym. I want to get, and it was so amazing that that was one of the really strong memories burned in her brain. That's how much, that's how much she was here. That's how much she loved it here that she was like, I got to get back to CrossFit. I got to get back to, and we were like, she hasn't seen herself in the mirror. She doesn't know. She has mm. an incision in her head to relieve some swelling. She has tubes down her throat because she stopped breathing. She, she's got a cast on her whole body. Like, do you understand? What's, but we, you know, obviously <laughs> stayed positive. And we kept saying, yeah, yeah. And then her mom was like, this CrossFit thing, is she brings it up all the time. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I believe it. She, she lives over there. So that was a really cool, really cool thing if you want to add anything to that. Even when I got transferred to Children's Specialized and they started doing PT and stuff with me, one of the first things that they had me do was sit-ups. I was just sitting on a bed doing sit-ups. That was all I could do. I had casts on two hands. There was nothing that they could do with my legs yet. My bones hadn't healed. And that was all I was doing in therapy was sit-ups. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> and now in the meantime of that, on the flip side, we have my brother at home who we were ultra worried about his mental state. He went into this absolute shutdown and it was just like, we had to keep eyes on him 24 seven. And her family was super supportive. Her aunt, particularly Jody and her mom were just always reaching out to me and, and my wife, Jen, how's Jeremiah? How's Jeremiah? How's Jeremiah? And we were like, you know, we don't know. He's like a steel trap. Like, He's just stone cold. We have no idea what's going on. Obviously, he was dealing with a ton. Um, and we, we were giving him baths. My, my, I'm the oldest. Second to me is my brother, Daniel. Third is Jeremiah. Fourth is Nathaniel. So it would be me and my brother, Daniel, giving my brother, Jeremiah, a bath. You can imagine how that went. And he's, he, you see him here at the gym. He's in great shape. He 
he's, he's a little prideful because he's in such good shape. <laughs> and man, we were playing like rubber ducky, <laughs> whipping out some like long surgical gloves. We're like, it's time. <laughs> uh, we tortured the daylights out of him. We'd put like freezing cold water or we'd make the bath really warm. And then my brother would have a cup of ice cold water. It sounds like you're like reliving childhood memories. Dude, right now. <laughs> yes. I mean, probably splashing more in the bathtub than we did when we were younger. Absolutely. hundred percent. You can imagine all the jokes that were said. I'll keep them off the air. But <laughs> we were having a blast. And uh, again, um, shout out to all the people that really, you know, just came together during that time and sent my brother food and like just things to like, hey, bro, get your mind off it. Like we're thinking about you. We're thinking about Cassidy. We're, we're worried about you guys. Like all that little stuff. I know it's so easy sometimes to like see something like this and get lazy or even down to like weeks and funerals. You're just like, ah, I don't have the time. Like, man, to, to, to put the effort forth to show that that human life mattered was a, just an amazing, amazing thing that really impacted my life, even though it didn't happen to me. It was so impactful to me. So we're bathing him. We're waiting on her to recover. She now gets to this point where she's at physical therapy. She's doing pretty good. She would have these small lapses in memory. And another thing about the children's hospital was you get outside time, which you wouldn't get if you were an adult, which is crazy. Um, due to COVID. So her mom would take her outside for a walk, quote unquote, <laughs> and we would be outside the gate waiting so that we could, we had lawn chairs. We set up like a, across this fence and her mom found like this, like where we could be, but like butt up against the fence. So we could be facing each other, talking to each other. And I think that helped a lot. Um, just grow closer and like sure. be able to be like, Hey, remember, you know, old times and have that face-to-face -face communication. So again, her mom being in the hospital, being able to like be like, no, I'm gonna take her for a walk. And then texting mm -hmm. us like, hey, we're gonna walk on the east side today by this <laughs> street and we would be there. So super cool how all that got to work out to where it wasn't this like, she's 22, young woman, locked up, couldn't see her parents, couldn't, could you imagine being in the hospital for how, I mean, how long did it take you even with physical therapy? Total time in the hospital. Three months to the day. Mm. That's like a jail sentence. Mm. <laughs> I mean, really, could you imagine not seeing anybody you know for three months and you only talk to them on the phone or FaceTime? That's, and she, even at the time, you really couldn't even do that. They weren't allowing electronic devices because it was going to overstimulate her at the time. Crazy. Anyway, so how all that worked out, nothing short of miraculous. Truly wasn't. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. So, so now you're at the children's hospital. We're in the summer months, right? Mm-hmm. And... I still remember the pictures of you with your motives gear on at the hospital, but, yes. uh, so, so the first, as you started to progress through physical therapy, you told them that you wanted to walk out of the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. And what, what was the date of that again, when you actually did walk on your own for the first time out of the hospital? So I got cleared to walk on June 15th. And the thing about the hospital is they always give you a start date of if everything, I don't know, works out perfectly, you could leave by this day. And originally they gave me June 8th. I wasn't even walking by June 8th. There was no way that was going to happen. And then it became June 22nd and it ended up being July 4th. Hmm. And I always said, because, you know, you see people leave and they're getting like wheeled out in a wheelchair and I was like, this is sad. And I feel like that would be for me just like saying, no, I can't do this. Like I can't walk however 
much the distance is from my room to my car in the parking garage. And I was not ready to give that up. Wow. Yeah. yeah so, so you walk out for the first time and now we're mentally, you're somewhere back to a normal state, right? But still trying to kind of jog your memory per se and, and remember events. I remember one thing you guys were telling me there were certain events like family events that you still didn't remember for some time. But, but as you, now you have to go in for certain hand surgeries at this point. Um, and when, when was it that you actually started working with Tommy again when we first got you back in here? The end of October. October, right. Yeah. So at that time, you know, in the past, if this ever happened prior to, I guess, COVID times, we would have waited for Cass to finish physical therapy and said, you know, when you're ready to come back to class, we'll do our best to work with you in class. But fortunately, we had grown so much in the past two years and Tommy was waiting for her to come back right, to, to work with her one on one. And um, we were well positioned and, and equipped with the skill set for him to do so. And um, the first day she got cleared by the hand doctor, like she was in here with Tommy like yeah. right away. And your mom was coming for the first block of workouts with you, which was really cool as well. Uh, I'm sure she was somewhat curious to understand what <laughs> the, the all the CrossFit was was about in your mind. But um, you know that I just wanted to highlight that too because it was it was very cool for us to have a situation where someone that we were very close with and was a client of ours goes through this traumatic experience, and within six months we're still able to help them. Right. And 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 that is just a testament to all the work that Tommy has done and we have done too, to just be in a position to help more people like that too, you know, not just be the, be in class turning the music up for, for club motives on a Friday. You know, <laughs> right. it's like, no, we, we're equipped to, we're equipped to, to, we're trying to equip ourselves to, to do more than just that. And so that was really special for me to watch that too. Cause yeah. you know, also I guess just to continue on this line, like typically I would have had to, try and figure it out or, or do it. But like Tommy's smarter than me. I love that. Like, I love that he, like I could step back and just be like, no, Tommy's the guy. Like yeah, go the with physical Tommy. therapist, like yeah. doing his thing, studying to be a physical therapist. Right? Sure. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And even, even, even hearing you say that from April to March, she's taken her first steps after again, two broken femurs and below her knee, six different breaks in her bone from her shin down for her walking in the, in three months is, is amazing. And then three months after walking to be back to a high intensity workout or working towards getting back to that, mm -hmm. coming back here, working with Tommy, doing the specialized stuff, seeing her on the bike, seeing her do these stretches, seeing her pick up weights. Right. You're was, just like, it was incredible. It was an incredible, it was incredible too. I also remember too, like going into the accident, uh, uh like, late winter, early spring of 2021, Cass was, she was coming on as, she was like latte club. For, yeah. For those listening, like that's the top three attendants of the month. Like she, that they was her thing. a latte. She, yeah, she, she was here a lot. And I remember when she came back, she was like, I'm going to be back in that again. Yeah. And so fast forward, she starts working with Tommy. Like even on the days they weren't working together, she was here mm -hmm. <laughs> for hours sometimes. And winds up being one of our first athletes of the month as well, which was very special for us to kick that off. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, just back to being a staple part of your life, your life routine. I know it's had tremendous impact on your mental health as well. Not just, not just physical, but to be able to have you be able to plug back into like a community of people is you can't really put a price tag on the impact that that has on your mental sanity and just having friends to walk back into too. For sure. Not just a regular coach. Like for me to see it from the outside, Tommy, a guy who truly cares about people and truly, you know, even Tommy, maybe we should bring him on to talk about pain because some of the things that he's felt, you know, and now him doing physical therapy, he's got that appreciation of like, it's not just like, yeah, this hurts. Okay. Do these stretches. It's like, Ooh, he almost feels that pain. Like, you know what? Yeah. Let's, let's work on this. That hurts. Okay. Let's do that. I could see this. So the, 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 TLC that he puts into mm-hmm. his coaching that you can clearly see was, was amazing to watch. And I know her mom felt super comfortable watching that too. Yeah. So really awesome. Kudos yeah. Very to Tommy. cool. What, what, uh, I'm curious, Cass, just to hear, I guess your experience through that, like, like, were you scared coming back for the first time? Were you excited? Were you scared? Like, how did you feel about that whole process coming back in? I was definitely very excited. I was actually even telling Dan, the other day, this new actually, coach Dan. Yes, <laughs> this actually just came up on my time hop the other day from a year ago at the beginning of March that I back squatted a 45 pound bar, two 25 pound plates, and two fives. And that was the most I had ever squatted. And I was like so proud of that, so proud of where all of that was going. And I just thought like, okay, we are coming back. We are doing more than we did before. And that's why I was joking when I did that video with Tommy. And at the time I said I was former carrying 35s and then that got posted and I was at 40 and then something else got posted and I was at 44 and I was doing toast bar. And I always said, I'm coming back this time and I am not holding back. We are doing as much as we can, because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Right. It's an incredible mindset. And, and as it's just, you know, having an, for you now, right. Having an appreciation for like, I might not get tomorrow. Like I want to maximize right now today. And I'll say I'm still giving you guys so much credit because I feel like from the beginning, you never really, nobody really knew how this was going to turn out. Even when I was unconscious, my neurosurgeon was like, this would be two to three months. We have no idea because they had no idea why I was even in a coma to begin with. They really couldn't say, oh, yeah, she'll be out in a week or two. It was two to three months and I was home in three months to the day. Mm. And even the other day when I was at Jersey Shore, one of the ER doctors just kept looking at me saying, and you don't even limp. You don't even have a limp. And the first thing that came out of my mouth when I looked at him was, I go to CrossFit six days a week. <laughs> and then for the rest of the day, that was all anybody could say. Every time I went up to a physician, one of my friends was with me. He was a scribe. And he was just standing there like, yeah, she goes to CrossFit six days a week. And I was like, wow, I should just have you here all the time to just <laughs> promote this for me. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's very cool. And yeah. empowering, like it's not just, again, I guess I, we got down this, this line of thought here just because it's not just the physical side. It's, it's what it's equipped your brain to think. Like you don't, even, even through the trauma, you're not even a year, 
you know, haven't even hit a year yet from that. We're coming up on it. Coming up on a year. <laughs> yeah. And but you're not letting that impede you from feeling like you could do anything you want. Right. Which I think is so important for everyone to hear because there's many people out there who find who grab for things. Looking for excuses. Looking for mm-hmm. excuses and and just grab for things to leech onto to say, I can't do this because of this. And I can't do that because of this thing that happened to me 15 years ago. It's like that was 15 years ago. Yeah. There's a way for there's a there there is a way. You just have to take a step back and and have someone help you figure out how to get there. And so what's interesting is I was actually talking to my therapist about this today, how the whole time I was in the hospital, their like catchphrase was, we'll see how close to normal we can get you doing this, this, and this. And I hated that. That close to, I was just like, absolutely not. We are going to be close to nothing. (laughs) We are going to be there. And she was saying like, we can't tell you that you're going to be 100% back. We have to say close to. And I just thought like you're saying, you know, that holds so many people back because here are these people who are professionals telling you, yeah, we'll get you close to where you were before. That's the best we've got. A lot of people are going to have that mindset of, okay, I'm going to be as close to where I was before as they can get me. And I just thought, no way. I will not take this close to nonsense. I love that. <laughs> it's the truth, though. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I'm sure you'll, you'll be faced with things in your life ahead. Like there'll be instances maybe even tomorrow or the next day or whatnot where it's a constant struggle, though. It's a constant conversation in your own head to, because the natural thing to do is say, you know what? I'm tired today. You're right. I'm going to listen to that voice, but you know, it's, it's your ability to have a strategy to say, no, I'm not, I'm not listening to that voice. I'm not subscribing to that frame of thought. I'm in control of my thoughts and my frame of reference on how I'm going to, the decision I'm going to make to come here. And, and for some people that, that come to motives, it's the decision to come here two days in a row or come here at all, you know, and, and it's very inspiring to hear you say, from, for someone that's been through something that many of us listening, and even for myself, I may never ever experience something as traumatic as that in my life, but it inspires me to think, you know, like even thinking about Dan, he just raised money for, for people with MS. You know, it's like you've been through something and you're, you're, you're going to have to live with the experience that you went through for the rest of your life, but, but you're not letting that hold you back or inhibit you or, or tell you you're going to maybe be the Cassidy of March, 2021. you're like, no, I'm Cassidy today of March, 2022. Yeah. And it's not even better than before. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's like, it's a matter of like, who, who were you yesterday? I'm going to be better than that person. Who who am I today? Tomorrow I'm going to be better than I am today. And what, what would you say got you there? What would you say got you to that mindset? Because hearing this story, I think should be more than enough for people to, be like, wow, I have no excuse. But now for the people still struggling, the ones all the way in the back, let's say, mm-hmm. you know, what what would you give them as advice to say, hey, this is what helped me through. This is this is my my mindset, how I how I push through this. Because I mean, 
you know, we spoke about this, so I have permission to say it, but as a girl getting your head shaved, we talked to Kate about that. Big deal. Uh, Kate Gilpin, she went through, you know, uh, when she had cancer, that was crazy. She had just a big thing for a girl to get her head shaved. And she, Cassie has a very large scar on the side of her leg with some muscle that they had to take out. That's like a, you know, an external thing that you deal with, some scarring on the hand. So through all that, what would you say helped push you through and helped you with this this mindset that you have today? So I will say, actually going to the scar on my leg, I was in ShopRite over the summer last year with shorts on, and this woman that worked at ShopRite just like looked at me and was like, that looks terrible. And I just looked at her and was like, looked way worse before. <laughs> um, I think that's a big thing that... I've used as my mindset is that there's always someone out there who has it worse than you. We were talking about that before this, that there was a friend of a friend who a month before me had similar neck injuries and she's paralyzed from the neck down, which when I was in a coma, that's what they feared was going to happen when I woke up. And that's not me. And there were two kids that my friend knows who were on I-70 in Ohio who got into a similar accident that we did, and they were both dead on the scene. And I just always tell myself that there is always someone out there who has it worse than you. And there is so much that you can do with where you're at and what you've got. Yeah. Gratefulness. For sure. Yes. Work work with what you got. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Which is incredible. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't know if this is the right time to bring this up, but like when I was at Rutgers, I was at Giant Stadium when Eric Legrand got hurt. And uh he's such a strong presence still in the Rutgers community. And just from seeing him and just seeing his presence and how he had responded to that accident because he is paralyzed and he responds the same way. You know, he, I don't know him personally, but I'm assuming that he has somewhat of a similar mindset and he's, he fights every single day and he still posts videos of him at rehab. And he's, you know, if he, he didn't have to respond like that, but he chooses to, he chooses to fight. He chooses to use his story to inspire people to say, Hey, look at me. I'm fighting every day. And I have a tenth of what you guys have. Right. And it's a very powerful and inspiring like mindset for able-bodied people who have never been through adversity like that before. Exactly. It's crazy. Exactly. Any last comments? Anything you want to <laughs> maybe um, get I'll out say there that we missed? Going off of that, there's this one Instagram post that I keep seeing that says like you spend most of your time in your own head try to make it a pleasant place to be. Like you were saying, there are some people who, for them, it's just getting through this door and being here. I feel like you, even my friend said this to me, you should be your biggest supporter and your number one fan. Hmm. Truth. <laughs> Love it. I agree with that. Well, Cass, I, I appreciate your time. Rob, Cass, I appreciate just hearing her story and Hopefully for anyone listening out there, you were as inspired as I was today. For sure. And uh, 
Be on the lookout for many more podcasts coming up here. Cass is kicking off our season as she did for Athlete of the Month last year. Uh, we have many episodes coming up with, with other interviews with, with uh, current members and also just some jam sessions between Rob and I. And we look forward to, to a great season two of the podcast. Thank you. Thank you.